All right. And I am here with Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast, which is my favorite podcast probably right now. And I'm not just saying that because he's here. It is, for those of you that are unfamiliar, it's a podcast about food and fatherhood that occasionally touches on the NBA. Uh, Keith, I mean, first of all, like, was my description fairly accurate? And just like, how are you today? What did you have for breakfast? You know, uh, (laughs) I, I know you don't know how to start a conversation without that. So. Wow, Harrison, uh, thanks for the kind words. I don't, I've never heard anyone describe our show as about food and fatherhood. I guess it is now. When we started the show, we had z- uh, zero children that we knew about. And, <laughs> and we currently have five children uh, between the three hosts. So uh, four of them, no, that's, that's inaccurate. I'm sorry. We knew of one. Uh, Chuck knew of one child found out he had another one during the course of, of the show but yeah so i guess we talk about fatherhood a fair amount a lot of that is not our fault i consider it the fault of covid 19 where we briefly transitioned to outbreak breakout instead of fast break breakfast just because there was nothing to talk about but uh, i'm glad you're listening uh it's very kind for you to say that we're your favorite show currently we'll take it as long as it lasts yeah, no, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, I keep the power rankings updated. So, like, right now, you guys are at the top, but, you know, like, the low post could jump back in there, you know. Oh, like, never, uh, like, never. It, yeah. not, the, not the low post. Yeah, Locked On Lakers could, like, knock you out, you know, if Anthony <laughs> stops hosting solo episodes, you know, like, there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could happen, and I just got to be, like, realistic with you. Um, uh, Yeah, but, uh, so, like, originally, I was planning to bring you on to slander the pelicans during the first round but they already showed their frauds and didn't even make it and so uh i mean i guess like did you have any pelicans jokes you just wanted to get out because i i feel like lakers fans are still happy to hear it just because like you know ever there was all this talk like first it was going into the like you know going into this nba restart people were talking about like you know there there was talk like the, oh the pelicans could really like you know the, that won't be an easy first round matchup for the lakers you know like with zion rolling and brandon ingram and you know like lonzo's been shooting the ball well like all these guys like you know that that's not going to be an easy out for them and then i feel like that just transitioned to the blazers once the pelicans started losing people just like they had all their columns ready about the pelicans and they yeah. just copy and they just changed all the names to blazers um but i mean did you have any pelican slander you just wanted to get out of your system just it's probably like the last time we're going to get to talk about them as a relevant team and for several months at least well it's several years i think once they, <laughs> once they trade drew holiday for a draft pick in this yeah I, I've, been, I've been joking with pelicans fans and they're like you know what if the warriors offered you know wiggins and the two pick for drew holiday that'd be amazing for this franchise and as a grizzlies fan i'm saying desperately Please put Andrew Wiggins on your team for the next three years. Please get rid of your best player, Drew Holiday, and take Andrew Wiggins. I'm begging you. I get more draft picks and be bad for the next two, three years. That sounds awesome to me. That is objectively the funniest outcome. Not even just like you know for the reasons that you mentioned, but like also because like Brandon, like Brandon Ingram and Andrew Wiggins, like. You know, I would love to watch that. Like, just <laughs> yeah. because Ingram is like he—he's sleepy-eyed. Like, he looks like he doesn't care a lot of the time. But like, he is a guy that like works his ass off constantly. Like, is as dedicated to the game as like mo- almost any player that I've covered. Like, it just is a gym rat. And him being on the same team as Andrew Wiggins like might inspire him to violence. 
I agree with you. I mean, I think Ingram's impressive turnaround this season. It's one of the one of the good stories for the Pelicans. They can be optimistic about the future of Zion Williamson, even if some of that got kind of dampened with the performance in the restart. But like Ingram is awesome. I don't know why you would pair him, or I don't even know why you would look to be adding more assets. They're saying, oh, we're not going to compete for a year or two. It's like, what's wrong with you people? You're supposed to be good this year. You have Zion Williamson. You already have this treasure chest of picks you got from the Lakers. Like, try to be good. Don't plan for a year, I mean, age like 26. Yeah, they're like, they're, they kind of get to skip the tank phase just yeah. because, like, they already have draft pit. Like, they have a bunch of young guys already on their roster. Like, they were I mean, unless they're just going to let Ingram go and, like, not re-sign or, like, trade Lonzo or something. Like, like there's no reason. Like, Zion's good. You know, like, for all the for all the jokes, whatever, like, you know, he didn't play well during the restart, obviously. But he showed during those 15 games that he, he's a good player. Like, he he's going to be a, uh, you know, a problem snort emojis for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> and uh like you got like he's a guy not to encourage them to make the same mistakes they made around ad and like try and go win now too soon like i think this roster is actually ready to like compete for some stuff now and like add players as they go if you have drew holiday if you're going to re-sign brandon ingram and you have zion williamson you don't need to enter this tank cycle there's no point like I- i'm so i'm so baffled like i guess the bubble went so poorly for them that they, some of their riders are like, oh yeah, no, we're not ready to compete. They're like, we're, yeah, we're no, ready. we stuck. We got a tank a couple of years. They, we got, they you know. went, they went from like going into the bubble, you know, when healthy, we're a top eight team to being like, hey, we're not, we're not trying to compete. Hey, you know, trust for, the process. For three years. <laughs> trust the process. And I got to say, Harrison, uh, you and me combined have as many wins over Western Conference teams with the winning record as Zion Williamson does. So <laughs> that's, that's something uh, we can feel good about. Cause again, like there is a, there's like this fake narrative that the Pelicans were clicking on all cylinders with Zion Williamson. I think they beat the Miami heat. Like that is the win over a playoff team that they had. Like they, they went, I think Zion Williamson finished his rookie year. 0 for 10 against uh, Western conference teams with a winning record, but he was so, really fun. Key. He was really fun. He is okay. fun. I enjoy him. Like I cheer for him. I am as a Grizzlies fan and podcaster. I've been scratching that um, or trying to incite this Pelicans Grizzlies rivalry. It's a natural rivalry, small markets connected by the Mississippi river. You have the one and two pick from last year, John Morant, Zion Williamson, you know, childhood friends against each other. So as much as I enjoy watching Zion, please trade drew holiday. Cause he's awesome. And please add more draft picks. I'm sure the rebuild will go great for you. No, the Lakers are happy to take him. Uh, you know, like he has experience <laughs> yeah. playing with Anthony Davis. I'm sure they can make that work. Uh, yeah, it's been boogie back. It'd be great. This is ostensibly, you know, I gave you, I, I gave you a little bit of shit at the beginning for, uh, you know, your podcast, like ostensibly being about the NBA. Uh, and then we had a Lakers podcast where we talked about the Pelicans for the first seven minutes, uh, the Pelicans and fatherhood for the first seven yeah. minutes. But, um, so, you know, anyway, but since you're here, uh, you, you actually have the perfect segment already on your podcast, and I'm just going to steal it shamelessly since you're here. I don't think it's considered plagiarism since you're in front of me. Like, if I did it while you weren't here, it would be a problem. But, you know, you have your segment, Breakfast and Bed Apologies, which yeah, is usually yeah. the first time that you talk about the NBA. I actually already have one for you. I need you to apologize to me because listening to your podcast got me addicted to making bets that harm myself <laughs> if I lose them. Um, and I was very confident going into the Lakers series against the Blazers. And I 
you know, before the series started, I think it was the last podcast before game. Yeah, it was the last podcast before game one. I was so confident. Christian didn't even ask me to make a bet, but he has one where he says that if Alex Caruso goes for like 20 or more points in a Lakers win, he's going to get a bald eagle tattoo. Um, which I kind of tricked him into making. And then I just volunteered, I would shave my head if the Lakers, uh, if this series went longer than five games. Uh, And then Blazers won game one. Oh, no. And I started to get a little scared. And so I just would like for you to apologize to me for, uh, like, you know, for making this happen. Okay. Uh, This is, that isn't really how our breakfast in bed apologies work. But if you would like me to apologize (laughs) to you, no, I'm not going to do it. You're an adult. You're a grown man. You went into this gambling with your eyes wide open. Uh, I, I feel sorry for you. I mean, maybe I would apologize if you had taken my advice before the bubble that the Blazers were going to be trash. Like, that's on me. I was you just set there. a bad example for me, is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. as, as an older podcaster who I look up to, um, you, you set a bad example and you taught me some bad. It was like it was like Jordan Clarkson getting veteran mentorship from yeah. Lou Williams and Nick Young. You know, <laughs> like it was just. I'm like not you, a role you, model. I'm not yeah. a role model, Harrison. Yeah, the Charles Barkley of podcasting. That's, um, that's right. No, but so like, like talking about the Blazer series a little bit, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with my backstory with Damian Lillard and, uh, you know, the Blazers and all of that stuff. But it was, a, it was about two years ago. I, I think most Lakers fans, at least ones that are usually in my mentions, are familiar with this story. But I was tweeting during a game. And for those of you that aren't, here's the origin story of my uh, one-sided feud with Dame. Uh, I was live tweeting game. And uh, I was still at Lakers Nation at the time. And I tweeted out that like the Lakers were beating the Blazers down the stretch of a game. And I said, I think I said something along the lines of Damian Lillard is the most overrated player in the NBA. He's just Lou Williams with the SoundCloud account. And then <laughs> I believe that was the game where he went for 24 points in the fourth quarter brought them back and uh just destroyed the lakers and beat them this was before lebron was there and whatever but i basically had to fake my own death because i was getting it from portland fans i was getting it from lakers fans and so because of that i'm not allowed to slander dame in the blazers and call them out as like for example like overhyped frauds uh you know coming into the first round like i'm not allowed to say that i was just wondering but i I think i found a loophole and i can bring you on and you know you mentioned you thought they were a little fraudulent going into this restart and uh you know now is your time to shine i i have been wanting to for the last two games get some takes off but i'm not going to because of past experience but i think i'm allowed to let you two and then lakers fans can just blame you when uh if this goes wrong i mean i don't know if i'm gonna outright slander dame lillard i I do uh have some questions about his teammates i do think maybe two years ago when you were slandering dame lillard he was rather overrated i want to say i don't know when the, the change occurred in damian lillard like it was around two to three years ago. Where I he... think this was like this was basically the year after, if I'm remembering correctly, that they lost to the Pelicans, and like like they kind of got exposed a little. Like some of the flaws in his game got exposed. Like you know, I I genuinely felt at the time I wasn't saying he couldn't score. I just genuinely felt he was a little overhyped in the discourse because of the way that he talks and like some of the stuff, like you know, the Mamba mentality kind of stuff that like tends to get us to overrate players or get the like general NBA populace to overrate them and. The, like, that's how I felt. It wasn't that he wasn't good. Sure. Well, there's that, the you know, even this season, he's saying, put some respect on my name. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, brother, you made the eight seed. Yeah. Like, you, you, you made the eight seed. You guys seed. had to win by three points, like, yeah. every game. 
you you beat the the Mavericks without uh you know Doncic and Porzingis in the second half, and you beat the Nets who had nothing to play for. You beat my poor Grizzlies, where the Grizzlies in both fourth quarters were up by eight with like seven minutes to go, and they fell apart. So like, yes, Dame Lillard is a closer. He has those playoff buzzer beating victories that you can't take away. He's a killer in the clutch. He's an awesome player, but like, put some respect on my name. You have the largest contract in the NBA. There's no Does he really? lack of respect. I did not I'm pretty that sure. Actually, mathematically, the law. Like I knew he was up there. I didn't realize that he was actually the largest contract. I think he's owed two hundred million dollars over the next four years. Oh like, wow! He's going to be making over fifty million dollars a year. I mean, assuming that COVID doesn't destroy the NBA's ability to have TV contracts and they don't tear up the CBA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all that money's you know they're going to take some out from the escrow. I don't know how it all actually works. But like Damian Lillard, to get very good as a Grizzlies fan, we have this years old resentment build up towards him for this event, which again, it's like part of Grizzlies lore. But I was talking to some other national NBA writers who don't even remember it. I have genuinely no idea what you're talking about. So, so what there, I'm going to say go. is Damian Lillard's first all star appearance. He wrote a letter on Instagram to the commissioner and to the coaches saying like, I deserve to be an all-star. And they named him the second alternate after this letter was written. And at this point of time, I felt Damian Lillard was more of a, a Lou Will or a D'Angelo Russell, like an offensive only guy who didn't really have that massive effect on winning. I know this is upsetting to Blazers fans. I assume they don't listen. So we're in a safe space, but like, I think they sometimes listen just to old takes expose me. Like there during, you go. I feel like they're listening to and like watching and bookmarking all my tweets just to like be ready just in case. I want to say this was 2015 or thereabouts. And at that time, Michael Conley, I felt was a better NBA player. Michael Conley. Oh, this who, was back when he was good at basketball. Yeah, yeah. This was back when Mike Conley was good. Mike Conley is good again now that he's playing the Nuggets. But like Mike <laughs> Conley, uh, he affected winning on both sides of the ball. The Grizzlies were a far superior team to the Blazers during this stretch. Every time the Grizzlies and Blazers played, Mike Conley obliterated Damian Lillard. So like Grizzlies fans are still mad at Damian Lillard for writing this embarrassing Instagram letter, which was since deleted begging to make an awesome oh, team. Sad. Okay. I'm and we were like, look this up afterwards. We were I, like, I need Mike this. Conley would never write a letter to the commissioner, like saying I'm disrespected. Name me an all-star. He's too proud for that. So he's a little bit of a drama queen. I'm just going to yes. say it like, yeah, not Mike Conley Dame. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also you have, you have, he has his own propaganda arm with uh, Chris Haynes and Yahoo where every time Damian Lillard wants something out in the national NBA narrative, Chris Haynes just says or parrots whatever he's told. Like, it's always his pro-Blazer propaganda. So, like, while Damian Lillard is awesome on the court and he's super fun to watch, that rubs me the wrong way where I'm like, you're, you're too good for this. Like, just let the basketball, let you scoring 60 points, which is awesome, that's good enough. Pulling up from the logo and, and winning games in the clutch, that's good enough. I don't need the rest of it. it. It makes me, again, maybe I'm just, I'm out of my element. I'm too old, too disconnected. Uh, and, and it rubs me the wrong way. No, he, he talks, he talks a lot. Like I, the, the moment that I have that I remember like that was there was one game. It was the Lakers from playing the Blazers this is again during the rebuilding years. And uh, like, I think him and D'Angelo Russell, like kind of got into like a little like scuffle or something like that, whatever. Like, and like, if I remember correctly, like 
Dame kind of initiated it. Like, I didn't really think that what Russell did was, like, that egregious. And, like, then after the game, like, after the Blazers win, like, he goes on. He's like, oh, don't poke the bear. Like, that's why we won. (laughs) Like, they got, like, free throw after free throw down the stretch. Like, it was all this stuff. But it was, like, you know, we had, like, like some Blazers accounts using literally, like, meme generator. I have it saved to, like, make a, like, bear with in the background of a picture of Damian Lillard. And it just says, yeah, don't poke it. Or something like that. And it's just, it's just a lot for a guy that, like, has never been to the finals or, like, you know, won anything significant. Right. I mean, and I don't even tie team success to, like, players that much. I know as a Lakers rider, you have to do that, even though... Yeah, no, I mean, I understand somebody while. that covers the Grizzlies. Like, you have to be able to look and figure no, out if these guys are good exactly. outside of the organizational and Exa- Exactly. Uh, especially, I was thinking, I like... Now that the Lakers have one playoff win in the last, like, was it eight years, nine years? Two now. Two. Two. Excuse me. Two, yeah. of course. I Put some forgot. respect on their name, hey, okay? That, that last game three felt like a preseason game with how little it seemed like any. Like, the fourth quarter was one of the most disjointed and bizarre things I've seen. I don't know if like the the Blazers. Okay, hold on. I actually I do want to talk about this. Okay, I okay. want to take a, I want to take a spot for a break, but we are okay, going okay. to get into the series right after. This, this is how you do it. You just like you get you kind of tease what they want and yeah. then just Good. bring it on the other side. So that that was great, and uh, we will talk about the series right after this. Yes, that game was truly just weird last night, and I like I will I will go ahead like I finish your point now. I just was saving the. Right. So just game three was so weird. I think I was just making fun of uh, how little playoff success the Lakers have had recently and have to rely on, uh, you know, memories of the Halcyon past. But no, that game was so strange. It feels like maybe the the bubble has completely burst for the Trailblazers. Like Nurkic was incredible in all the seeding games. And it's like he could barely get up and down the court. Damian Lillard's not he hitting took his some shot. Wild shots in the fourth oh, quarter man. last night that were like it was literally like watching someone at LA Fitness that is just tired, like it, and just it can't, looked like, like Anthony Irwin doing the Euro step <laughs> layup. It like he took he took what is being generously described as a finger roll, where he just threw it up underhand at the basket from like six feet away, and I was like, what? Yeah. Like what is going on? And again, it, it, it was the sky floater. You know, like a, that's his version of Kareem's move. As a Grizzlies fan and other, I guess, other fans of teams in the bubble, like the Suns and, you know, the Pelicans, Kings, whoever, like now Gary Trent, like he's back down to earth. He's shot out of his mind in all the seeding games, which again, when we're going back to slandering Damian Lillard, it's like Gary Trent's hitting 55% of his threes and all these games are going down to the buzzer. So like, I don't need, I don't need to put that much respect on your name, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I felt like, to be honest, going into the series. And so again, like I didn't say it. So like, like this can't backfire on me. This right, is not I'm the Harrison Jinkson effect. You said it, but uh, you know, I agree with you. I think that, you know, they were, I, I just, I will say that I noticed that they were barely winning a lot of these games. And like, obviously Dame was incredible. Like what CJ McCollum is doing with like a broken back. I don't understand how it's even like humanly possible. Like, are they shooting him up with horse tranquilizers before every single game? Like, I just, I don't get it at all. Uh, But like, you know, the rest of that team is like a little, like, you know, ESPN and Bleacher Report, they were all sending out like the vintage Mello and LeBron duel, like, you know, in the third quarter. And look, Mello was great in the third quarter of that game, but it was a vintage LeBron Mello duel. You know why? Because LeBron had a huge night and won. 
<laughs> right. I know. So like we're, we're putting down the Blazers. And again, the end of that game was so strange. There was that possession, like Hollinger screenshot it where there was 15 seconds on the shot clock and there was only six players in the frame. Yeah, like, no, there were like, like two no, or three possessions where the Lakers just decided they were not going to get back on defense. Like, so it it feels like the Blazers, again, not to read too much into to a, a 2-1 series. So it feels like that felt like the Blazers hitting some kind of wall. It also seems concerning that the Lakers look terrible. Like through three games, the Lakers look very bad. I'm someone okay, who that's, again, that's interesting to hear you say that. So like what like what what like what makes you wrong in thinking they're uh they're terrible, I guess. Like what how, makes, like you're you're yeah, asking where, where did you go wrong, wrong and uh, where did you go wrong and end up thinking that they're terrible? That's what I'm curious to hear. Well, so I mean, I think the the offensive issues have been obvious. There there's questions like who's playing out there, but to me, yes. it's like it's it's the effort. You have these huge games where right now they're already leaning games two and three into the playoffs. We're leaning on, hey, we need Anthony Davis to get fouled ten times a game, and we need LeBron James to get the free throw line constantly. Which is a, it's a, it's a good skill to have, and it's what separates a lot of the elite players. Like when it's not going on, LeBron James can get to the line, or Kawhi Leonard, you know, can. Yeah. Um, create that needed offense that a lot of teams like the Grizzlies, they don't have that. They can't create offense when they're bad. And it's concerning to me as someone who maybe took a flyer on, on like, like Lakers coming out of the West <laughs> gambling wise, I'm looking at this team and I'm like, why does this team look dead after three games? Why the do they not that, know who to the, play yet after three games? Like why is J.R. Smith playing minutes? Like, what is going – why are they still doing JaVale McGee? Why does Anthony Davis look so slow? Like, he got on a roll last night of, of, of shooting 20-footers off the, those, like, pick and rolls. We're like, that's bad offense. Anthony he Davis was hitting them. That, like, no, that's what they, a bunch of people got mad at me because I tweeted. I'm like, wow, Anthony Davis is really bailing out these non-LeBron minutes because he basically was, like, hitting Dirk shots. And they and were – like, that's not what you want, you know, your offense to be. But he was hitting them, so it was working. And people were like, what do you mean? Do you mean balling out? And I'm like, I mean – Kind of, but also like, you know, this is not how, like that's a win for the Blazers. Like over the course of a seven game series, like if Anthony Davis is just hitting those, you're just going to lose. Like that's just I, what it is. You know, I was dying. at I think Mark Jackson was saying like, this is bad defense. The Blazers have to adjust. This is bad defense. And you're like, Anthony Davis just took three straight shots, two steps inside the three point line. And then like the guy had a hand up kind of in his face. Like, you know, you let him shoot that all day. You let him shoot yeah. that every That's literally possession. what you want him to shoot. Yeah. And that's with all due respect to AD. He can make those shots, like, at a decent clip. But it's just less efficient than him getting to the basket mm -hmm. or getting fouled or whatever. Aren't, isn't he 33% on the year for, like, mid-range jumpers or something? Like, he's a, he's terrible at it. And it's Is like that you, bad. Okay. I thought he was a little, I might be that. wrong, but I thought it was like, he has some abysmally low jump shooting percentage and he still takes so many of them where it's like, why are you, you like, you got to cut that out. So again, I think sometimes that's a, that's like, you know, you, you reference why is JaVale McGee still playing? I can answer that. JaVale McGee is still playing because Anthony Davis does not want to play center for like the majority of his minutes. Right. And like people can like be like, Oh no, this is what is Vogel doing? Da, da, da. Like that is not a Vogel decision. Like you, you can criticize him for some of the things that he's doing. I think that you could probably criticize him a little bit for like playing J.R. Smith over Dion Waiters. I personally disagree with it. Like if you're worried about Dion like causing issues on defense, like J.R. is not any better at that. And it's not like you're looking at J.R. Smith as this like proven reliable offensive presence where you like know what you're going to get from him night to night more so than you do with Dion. Like that kind of stuff you can quibble with. The JaVale thing, 
that's not a Frank decision. That's that's Anthony Davis not wanting to play center. And like, if at some point he goes to Frank Vogel and says, hey, I'm ready, I'll play center, then, he's, then he'll probably start at center. But like, no matter what Frank thinks of JaVale, whether he thinks he's actually this good or he doesn't, like that's not up to him. That's, that's the Lakers doing what Anthony Davis wants because he is a free agent after this season. Right. And that, I guess that, that, that adds the awkwardness to it. And as, like, it cramps the spacing. And so that's where yeah. you get those jumpers from. Like, obviously not down the stretch last night. He was, that was mostly just him. I think he was probably a little fatigued or was, you know, I guess was feeling it and look, it worked. But um, like, I think that's where a lot of those bad numbers come from as far as like the mid range shooting is like, that's kind of what's open sometimes. And like, it's not a good shot, but like that, that's, what happens when he has decided that he is a full-time power forward or at least a majority of the time power forward. Would it work to announce in the opening starting lineups to announce Kyle Kuzma at center or just to announce LeBron James at center? So Anthony Davis has written on the starting score sheet as power forward. Like would that, would that trick him? So I it, feel took, like- it took 17 years of LeBron's career to trick him into actually like deciding to say, hey, I'm actually starting at point guard. So like, I'm not sure that you're going to get him to go and say that he's the center. Like a lot. I think these guys think more of positions than we do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. to some degree, I understand that because that does mean all of a sudden you're guarding Yusuf Nurkic in the post or like Hassan Whiteside or whatever. And like, you know, we, we can laugh at some of his shot selection down the stretch. We can laugh at Whiteside just in general. But like that's a big body that you have to say in front of and like from a human perspective i understand it like where ad is coming from but also like at at some point they are probably going to have to go small i think for this series they can make it work like because the blazers play big a fair amount and like because they just don't have anyone that can guard davis regardless like whether he's at the four or the five like i think they can make it work i do think if they play houston the next round they're gonna have to go small like i think that's just inevitable like i don't think that you can start javel mcgee and just like hand houston like a 15-3 run to start every game or whatever right so i think i i made it i made a smallish wager i think it was a 24 to 1 that the nba finals matchup would be raptors lakers and so i like i thought i was bad the raptors are good i I, no, no, i'm not worried about the raptors harrison i'm worried about the lakers (laughs) the lakers look awful uh, the, the Lakers, like, again, the Blazers are running on fumes. They're playing Huzonia, who stinks. They're playing Anthony Simons, who might be one of the worst players in the NBA. Like, Whiteside is not being exploited enough. And I'm watching the Lakers where I'm like, maybe they're just warming up. Like, the Lakers use their seeding games as, like, a total preseason where the Blazers had to try hard. So, like, maybe... Yeah, I do think that there's a degree of that. It's like yeah. the rest versus rust thing. Like, I, I do think that's there a little bit. And, like, it's hard to just flip that switch, especially when some of these guys are older. And then, like, it's like you said, like, they're trying to figure out wh- who their rotation is on a night-to-night basis. It's like... You know, in a normal season, that question would have been answered already. But you also have a veteran team that you're trying to slowly ramp up during these seeding games. You don't have to win. And then all of a sudden, you have these questions in the first round of the playoffs. Like, and that is a problem. I I do think the thing that has given me optimism is that their shooting is starting to come around. Like, they obviously, they did not shoot amazing in any of these games. But they started to shoot. Yeah, like it, it could be a lot worse as we saw in game one, and which they only lost by seven despite shooting like historically bad from every single part of the floor. Um, and, and again, like adds to the Blazers somewhat fraudulence. Uh, but like, yeah, I mean, I think that the Lakers, I've been encouraged by their defense. I think that they have done a really good job of like, figuring out a way to at least kind of limit Damon CJ. Like they're getting their numbers, but the Lakers have, I think figured out like some ways to really make them work for it and tire them out. We saw that like down the stretch. I think some of the benefit of that, we've seen them 
their offense hasn't looked the best, but the one thing that it has done well is they've tried to get players involved, whoever Dame and CJ are guarding, to just force them to work on that end. And again, like use that legs. They've put pressure on them 94 feet to kind of tr- continue tiring. Like I literally think that they're just trying to run those two guys into the ground and hope that the effects of that compound over the course of the series. And like that's going to make your offense look a little bit worse. Like if you're getting like KCP consistently involved in your offensive actions as like one of the fulcrums of it, just because he's being guarded by Dame or CJ or whatever, like, you know, with all due respect to KCP, I tweeted last night, I think it's the most accurate thing I've ever said, that he has one play a game where he hallucinates that he's LeBron James. Um, And like, I, I think like, you know, that's going to make your offense look worse. Playing JaVale McGee is going to make your offense look worse at times. Like, I think that that is part of it and that there are still some easy adjustments that they can make that will kind of free this up a little bit when they have to. I just think that, like, it's a little bit of a political thing. It's a little bit of a, like, trying to ramp up and answer these questions thing. Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking about as these games are going on. But, like, so, like, I maybe haven't thought that they looked as bad as you did, but I can see how if I had money on the line, uh, <laughs> I would be maybe a little bit more concerned. Yeah, I mean, what you said is correct. They they have contained Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I mean, if you're, if you're holding Dame under 30 in what he's doing that that's a definite success but i do like i have concerns if they survive against the blazers we assume they will like looking ahead to a possible rockets matchup you're like well that seems like i'm, I'm a little worried the rockets are going to run circles around them and i don't know how i don't think the lakers defense is enough to stop the rockets who have a lot more offensive weapons like if you shut down damon cj the blazers don't, don't really have that much we, we see Nurkic, his skill is not scoring. He's awesome, yeah. but his skill is not being like an offensive focus. Where you have the Rockets, not like scoring one on one or punishing a deal. Like he, right. he's a lob guy. Like he's really good at his job, but like he's he's a secondary guy. Yeah, but I think you could have a lot more trouble if the Rockets advance, especially if Eric Gordon's going to keep playing well. Like James Harden is still doing his can't hit a three pointer in the playoffs dance that we've seen every other year. But like that team looks like they look very dangerous. And again. I mean, I know Lakers fans, you know, you can't just be happy to be there. You're the one seed. You have all that history. You have all those banners. doesn't matter. No, they, you hear them. They're ending every, every – I don't know why they're bringing this on themselves or at least why they're letting the media hear it, but they're ending every huddle with one, two, three Mamba. Like, they're, they're putting yeah. that pressure on themselves to win it. Like, they've mentioned multiple times wanting to win it for Kobe. Like, this is not even just a fan thing. This is clearly the team really wants to win this. It, like, it means a lot to them, and they're putting the, this pressure on themselves. Like, I, I think – like, they obviously – like, you, you know, they've put themselves in this position where the expectations are really high. They've talked about it all year. Like, I, I don't feel bad for them in that respect. No, I, I you know, I, I think it's good to, I guess, have a goal and to motivate yourself and not be content. But I, really I am just could have done with some of that. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> maybe we could have used a few more healthy bodies. I don't, you know, our, well, our speaking, speaking of healthy bodies, yeah. like as as a card carrying fan of the Lakers uh, role player feeder team, um, <laughs> right. how much joy does it bring you to see Grizzlies legends, Dion Waiters and Dwight Howard, um, you know, just get bought out by your team that was desperately scratching and clawing and trying to make the playoffs. And all of a sudden, like they're like contributors on a Lakers roster that has like finals aspirations. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a good joke, and I made it plenty of times that, like, uh, <laughs> that, that, that Dion Waiters and Dwight Howard picked up that chemistry, being Grizzlies players this year. Yeah, no, they you know, they were in the, that group text together. They like, they know each other really well. Dion's a stranger win because obviously the Grizzlies front office didn't want him around the team at all, and they had that sunk cost because they he just was like never out. in the building even right. No, like, no, he, no, he, 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 he never came out. in the state. Definitely yeah. no. But it's like watching Dylan. Br- 
Brooks just shoot the Grizzlies in and out and mostly out of, of basketball games. It's like we really could use any two guard, like literally any two guard. No, honestly, Dion could have helped you guys. Like I, I think, yeah, like, he's still on the court, he's yeah. Play. Like he's he's a problem on defense, and not again, not in the snort emojis way. Like he's giving up like all caps buckets, <laughs> but like, and then looking at his teammates, like wasn't that your switch? Um, it's actually been funny to watch. Like if you pay close attention when Dion's out there and he hasn't been in the first round for this reason, but there were moments during the seeding round where he would call for a switch and LeBron would just straight up not do it. And just like (laughs) Dion would look around like, like what the, and then like, he'd have to like frantically run and close out to his guy or whatever. And LeBron would just kind of look at him like, yeah, we don't do that here. Like we're not bailing you out kind of thing. And, uh, that, that was one of the few, uh, enjoyable parts of the seating round was watching, a uh, LeBron James veteran mentorship of Dion waiters again. Uh, you know, yeah, picking it up after those years with the Cavs. Yeah. I think if, if Dion and Dwight bring that positive Grizzlies energy to, to the, to, to the final, <laughs> really bring the grit and grind mindset. If, to this if they, they bring that grit and grind Grizzly. mindset, uh, they, they might match up against Kyle Corver also ex Grizzly this year. Not, not a lot of people remember <laughs> Kyle Corver spent a solid several days, uh, as a Grizzly in the off season before being traded to Phoenix where he was bought out. Are you, are you worried that seemingly no veteran players want to play for your team? <laughs> like do you um, think that that's the problem for Grizzly? Like, like is Tennessee like so undesirable that just like no one wants to like no veteran player that has been are, around? The there are some there? veterans. I mean, I spent the entire season laughing that Andre Iguodala refused to play for the Grizzlies because he wanted to end his career on his terms, and then seeing every day that the Grizzlies were in the eighth seed and the Warriors were the fifteenth seed in the West, it did turn out fine for him. Uh, losing like one of the one of the great pains of not making the playoffs and then the Sixers completely falling apart is I desperately wanted the Grizzlies and Andre Iguodala to both get eliminated in the first round. Like I had a I had like tweets, lots of tweets lined up uh, just just to celebrate Iguodala making it no further in the playoffs than the Grizzlies. But alas, the 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 Sixers let us down. The Grizzlies let us down. And now Iguodala is Wait, the Sixers let us down. It, it, the, the Heat aren't playing the Sixers. No, I'm just saying, like, if the Sixers had been as good as they should have been, I think they would have been a top four seed. I think I'm saying the yeah. Okay. I get I'm looking at the Bucks, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Sixers were going to be the best four teams in the East, I'm pretty sure. And I assumed they would they would all win their first round series. I mean, the Miami Heat are killing it. Duncan Robinson is unreal. And he is definitely enjoying playing in the bubble. But uh, I do feel bad that, that Iguodala and also Jay Crowder. Like, this is the frustrating thing. This seems to always happen for the Grizzlies. Like, Jay Crowder on the Heat, he shoots 50% on three-pointers from the Heat. So uh, I do feel good for him because he was, a, he was a great Grizzly. He loved being on the Grizzlies, Harrison. He's a veteran who liked being uh, on Memphis. And I do think coming up You guys year, had one, Okay. Who? What, what do you mean? No, that you had Jay Crowder. You had Jay one. Crowder. Okay, yeah. I mean, Mark as long as we, he, he hey, we build that winning culture. You know, yeah. we've made the playoffs. I think eight times since the since the uh, Lakers made the playoffs. Uh, so <laughs> we'll just we'll just depend on that. You know, our rebuild was was brief, and we're already passing the Pelicans again. We've like the Sixers. They went through their five years of process. Now they're going to drop back down below the Grizzlies. We got Jaron, we got Ja, we got Brandon Clark. We're, we're excited for a future. Uh, when Anthony Davis opts out next year, you know, it might be a good option for him.
you know, a little yeah, left you know, pressure hey, in the limelight. Like, hey, maybe he's uh, maybe he's interested yeah, in yeah. going there and just being full-time power forward. And we can like, send you guys, uh, I think, Gorgie Jang and uh, Jonas Valanciunas to make the numbers work. So No, I mean, in all seriousness, take it back to the Lakers real quick. Like, I, I do, like, I want to ask you, number one, where you would have them at this point, like, after seeing what we've seen among contenders. But, like, I do think that when it actually matters, like, AD will play center. Like, like we're going to, you, you can, I can already read the column in my head that we're going to get from like one of the insiders it's like anthony davis saw that the lakers were having a problem and so he like laying awake in bed at 3 a.m he decided he had to do something he went he knocked on frank vogel's door he said i'm ready to play the five let's do this or something like that man i don't think anthony davis thinks that much about basketball <laughs> I, mean, I don't think Anthony Davis wakes up at three in the morning uh, thinking about how he could do it. I, th- I, I think you are underselling how much okay. I, he cares about basketball. Um, okay. No, no, right. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he doesn't care. I'm not saying maybe he doesn't have that, like, that uh, special extra gear drive as far as. The actuality of it almost doesn't matter. I'm just saying no, the, the story that we're going to get. Is, well, it's going to be something along those lines. Like, just keep your eye out for it. I'm just saying, in the Houston series or, you know, the next round or whatever, like, we're, we're going to get some, like, glowing co- behind-the-scenes column of the moment that Anthony Davis went to Frank Vogel and said that he demanded to start at right, center. Right, 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 uh, yeah. uh, No, to go to the, like, where do I think the Lakers rank, I guess, among the contenders, before the bubble, I actually thought the Lakers probably had the best chance of anybody just because I, I personally had doubts about how the Bucks successful season would translate into playoff basketball. And I still kind of feel that way about the Bucks. but what I've seen through three games, and again, like you try not to read too much into the seeding games where the Lakers just weren't doing. Yeah. I almost feel like you mostly can't other than just right. like, like how horribly they shot, like was a little concerning. So like right now, I, f- I feel most confident looking at the entire league. I feel the most confident actually in like the Bucks and the Raptors. I feel like they're playing the best. Uh, the Clippers, Lakers have both shown me some things where like they're just trying to figure stuff out already, which is a weird thing to say about the playoffs. Um, where like uh, like the Clippers trying to figure out who they're going to play. Like Doc Rivers saying... Trying to figure out if Paul George really is just like... Right, if, if, yeah. If no, it's playoff P. Like, it's, it's a legitimate thing. Like just Paul yeah. George disappear. But I mean, you, you like... The, the Clippers are trying to figure out how their pieces all fit together. So, like, I think an exciting thing about this playoffs is we don't have a clear-cut favorite. I think it is, you know, the Raptors and the Bucks, and then you have the Clippers and the Lakers, and I, the Rockets I, I would throw in there, and then maybe the Celtics. No, like, I, I think the Rockets like those, are a real threat. Those I, I think teams. The, yeah. the Rockets are so weird in how, like, they're almost, they, they've just completely tilted the math of the game almost. Like, where yeah. they've just figured out, like, like if, if they just hit threes, like, they, they're almost impossible to beat. Like, you just basically are trying to figure out a way to stop them from hitting threes, essentially. Like, they, they've really just tilted the math of the game, like, almost entirely on its head. Yeah, and I still have concerns. Like, I'm not a big James Harden believer. Like, yeah, I, I feel same. like we've seen enough in the playoffs, and this bubble was an opportunity for him to show that he's not worn down from the regular season or, or like maybe other years you could say, well, I was worn down for the long yeah. day season. This one, if he keeps not hitting his three pointers, like even though he scores 30 points a night, if he keeps shooting 20% on threes, like he has the last several playoffs, you're like, Oh, well, there's something to it where like when teams yeah. adjust in a playoff series, he has trouble doing that. But like, I don't know. I don't know how to handicap it right now. I mean, I think I honestly put maybe, 
in the West, like the Clippers a hair above the Lakers and the Lakers a hair above the Rockets. But, but so far, I, I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if any, any of those three made it out. And then in the East, like Bucks, Raptors, I feel a little bit better. Then the Celtics also have been playing really well. Yeah, the Celtics, um, I think, have shown that they're like they actually have a shot to get through this year. I think. I mean, if Gordon Hayward comes back, I think yeah. that would be that that would be you know good for their depth. But I think it's fun. I I can't pick even. Um, yeah, it's it's the most unpredictable I think NBA season that we've had in a long time, which is interesting because people thought the ratings were down because the Warriors were a foregone conclusion. We've seen that that's not the case. Like people no, may want yeah. like a front runner or something, or you know, the NBA did not talk about China. I guess is like a, another <laughs> theory that some have posited over uh, or to talk about China. I guess I guess that's what why people aren't watching is LeBron James isn't talking about it. I guess is the straw man of the week. Um, but but. You know, uh, to wrap things up here, uh, and I, I appreciate you jumping on and all the time and uh, just like letting me review a little bit. But like, you know, I have I have one last one for you. Um, to, we are recording this on uh, on eight twenty three. Today is Kobe's birthday. Uh, would have been uh, today would have been Kobe's birthday. Uh, tomorrow is Mamba Day, eight twenty four. And just as like as a Grizzlies fan, do you have a favorite moment of him like tearing your heart out, or like I guess most painful moment? I mean, actually, they no. They didn't have a lot of playoff, like, thing. So, but, yeah. like, I mean, there had to be a regular season I have one. in there somewhere. I have one. Yeah. Um, the, the most painful, the, the two games that stick out for me of Grizzlies against the Lakers is, well, there was one where uh, when, the, when the Grizzlies were very, very good and the Lakers were pretty good, uh, it, was the, it was the Andrew Bynum, uh, Kobe, Powell, Lakers, there was a game where it went into overtime. I want to say Bynum, r- roughly estimating, was like had 38 points and 20 rebounds, was like 18 of 20 from the field. But in that game, uh, the Lakers shot 37 free throws and the Grizzlies shot four. Uh, so that's an overtime <laughs> game. That one sticks out where it was like, "What are we doing here? This is this is this is ridiculous." No, the, Kobe, look, like it's it's not Kobe's fault that Tony Allen was like the original Patrick Beverly, just in terms right. of running around, flailing out there, like throwing fouls, stuff like that. Well, you when, know, when the grit and grind Grizzlies team, where they only shoot in the paint, shoots four free throws, you kind of like, "What are we? This is not right." But the other one, so going to Tony Allen, who's my all-time favorite player, Tony Allen was ten for ten from the field in a game against the Lakers and the Grizzlies lost that game. So that's, that's got to be Tony Allen's only 100% shooting game of his career, right? Well, I like, mean, not, there aren't many shooting guards who've ever gone 10 for 10 in an NBA game. I mean, when yeah. it comes down to it, no, I mean, I absolutely, I, I think it was his career high. I think he scored 26 points, but the game, the Grizzlies losing a game where Tony Allen was 10 for 10 from the field. It was against the Lakers. And that's my most painful, I guess, Grizzlies lost to, to, uh, to Kobe's Lakers. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I bring it up just, I was hoping you'd bring up Tony Allen just because, like, I remember those showdowns so fun. Like, they never, you know, obviously they never showed that. They, or I guess Tony Allen met the Lakers in the finals when, when he was with the Celtics, but they right. never really had, like, playoff history while they no. were with the Grizzlies. They just didn't match up. But, um, like, Tony Allen, I think, was honestly the defender. I believe he said this, that Kobe respected most, like, in terms yeah. of, like, it was just fun to watch them go at each other. You could tell there was, like, it was, like, you know, watching him go against Tony Allen, guys like Shane Battier, like, guys that you could just tell I think had a real respect for each other in terms of like how they approach the game and just like really trying to find every single edge possible to take the other one out like you know like I those are the games honestly I think that I remember the most from Kobe's career was just him trying to overcome those guys that really had looked up every single trick that he did and just seeing what weird stuff he could pull out of his hat to get past them 
You know, I, you're talking. I, I just remembered actually what is a, what is a more painful. I remember a very pain, <laughs> no, no. So uh, this is before the. This is like before the Grizzlies were in Memphis. I want to say it was, or it might have been the exact same time, but it was 2001. I think it was a Lakers Suns playoff game, and I was a huge Suns fan at the time. And Jason Kidd was on the Suns, and Kobe Bryant hit a game winning shot in the playoffs over Jason Kidd. I'm pretty sure I have those details right. I know memory in is the uh, playoffs. In, I, I want. I want. Did they play the Suns in the playoffs that year? I'm pretty sure it was. It. I think it might have been. Maybe I'll basketball reference it. It was the year I think where they beat the Blazers in the big comeback in the big fourth. That was 2000. Comeback. I'm like okay. I'm too young to remember every single game of that playoff. I'm actually I've been re- reading a, an advanced copy of Jeff Perlman's book on the Shaq uh-huh. Kobe Lakers, and it's been fun to like go back through and read the history of those teams. And I'm like too young to remember a lot of the specifics. Um, but so I'm looking I'm I'm looking this up now to see who they played in the playoffs. If I can get that. I believe you that you know Kobe gave it to Jason yeah, Kidd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it he was uh his career, but it was it was the second round they played the okay. Suns. The the Lakers won in 5 games. So like it was it wasn't a close series. That's why I don't remember it. <laughs> but it was uh let's see. I'm going to guess this was game 2. It was a 1 point game. Um yeah, so I I, I I'm going to assume my memory is correct that uh, Kobe Bryant hit the game-winning shot in Game 2, May 10th, 2000. Uh, I remember watching that, and that was very painful. Because, again, I've, I've been a Lakers hater for most of my life. So I, uh, I, I remember that moment. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Kobe, the Lakers have, you know, they've earned a lot of haters with all, you know, their unprecedented success in NBA <laughs> right. history, um, right. you know, just like being probably the greatest NBA franchise ever, you know, like it's like they've earned a lot of the hate that they've get, and, you know, uh, that Kobe, I think, and personally inspired a lot of those haters. And so uh, that is probably his, uh, like one of his, among many, like lasting legacies as an NBA player is just how many like children he made cry uh, while they were watching their favorite <laughs> teams lose playoff games and stuff it's uh, true keith keith i appreciate again i appreciate you coming on today uh please plug everything that you have uh where can lakers fans come and find you and attack you for your anti-lakers tweets all that stuff sure yeah i'm um, fast break break on twitter uh check out the podcast fast break breakfast we cover the entire league if you're specifically a grizzlies fan i do grits and grinds a grizzlies podcast on the blue wire podcast network but just come find me on twitter uh, at fast break break yeah, that, no, he, he's a great follow on Twitter and the podcast. Like, I, I mean it when I say it. It is truly at the top of my list right now. Again, things could change, but uh, right now it's top of the power <laughs> rankings. And uh, again, I appreciate you coming on. This has been, uh, the, I guess, just the Silver Screen Roll podcast. I don't know if we have a name for this day of the week at this point, but uh, the Lakers will, when you're listening to this, the Lakers will be taking on the Blazers in game four. And I'm just hoping that all of our slander did not uh, bait Dame into going for like 70 or something like that. So we will, uh, and if it did, I guess you can find me and attack me on Twitter at HM Fagan. And uh, just please subscribe, rate, review uh, to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, uh, just wherever podcasts are bought and sold and uh we will talk to you later